One of the advantages of uh, technology and live streaming our services today is that it means people who normally can't attend the service because they're in other places, people maybe who attended ECC in the past and now are other places uh, can listen in to our service today. Uh, it also means I get the advantage of saying happy birthday to my daughter who's in Ohio and it's her birthday today. Uh, we're going to continue in our series uh, of the Lord's Prayer, and as I've been thinking about uh, the section of the Lord's Prayer I want to speak on today, a story came to mind of years ago when my son was very young. Uh, my wife came home and told me that as she was walking through the store with him, they came up past an item that he wanted, and it was some expensive item. I don't honestly remember what it was, but something fairly expensive that he had asked her if she would buy for him. And her response was, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, honey, we just can't afford that. I don't have the money for that. And she said he kind of gave her this dumbfounded look. And then with some frustration, he said to her, well, just write a check for it then. <laughs> because in his mind, you know, all he had really ever been exposed to when it came to checks was you gave people this magic piece of paper and then they gave you what you wanted. He had no exposure to the fact that, you know, there had to be money in a bank somewhere to reimburse that check when it was turned in. All he knew was, you got stuff for those. We as people in the United States, I think most of us, most of us listening here are people who live in quite a bit of abundance. We have materially uh, not only what we need, but much more. And that's usually kind of our day-to-day -day experience. There are so many basic needs that we don't even give thought to. Uh, will they be there tomorrow? We have just become so used to those things being provided for us and being available to us. You know, that the, the food that we need, a, a roof over our head, water to drink, uh, clothing, the basic needs, that we just expect them always to be there. And it's usually not until there is some uh, event that threatens our security that we even begin to consider the fact that maybe those things aren't always going to be available or that we don't have total control over those things. So when we lose a job or when something happens to threaten our health or, or there's some natural disaster, even in this case, there's some worldwide disruption to things as we know it, uh, that, that then maybe we begin to consider the fact that we're not as in control of things as we thought we were. That there really are things that we depend upon that we can't control, they will always be there. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus has been directing our attention as we've looked at it the last few weeks. We've seen where he's directed our attention in the beginning of this prayer to God our Father. He's had us look at the fact that, that God our Father, um, he is our Father. He cares for us deeply as a Father would. But he's also directed our attention to the fact that our Father's name is hallowed, that he is holy, that his name is worthy of being lifted up and bowed before uh, that he is, he is the ruler of everything he's created, that he is sovereign. This is his kingdom, and, and we pray for his kingdom to come, that it is, but it is yet to come. And he's directed our attention to the fact that, that he is at work in our world. We pray for his will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And we are, we are asked to, to consider his work and to pray for it. We're asked to consider the fact that our God is here, who he is, that he's at work around us, and how should we rightly respond to him, and to pray for us and for the world around us to respond rightly to him. 
But now the prayer shifts. It, it shifts from your name and your kingdom and your will, and it shifts to us. And now Jesus teaches us to pray, give us today our daily bread. Today, give us our daily bread. I, I understand in the Greek sentence, the word that's translated today actually appears at the end of this sentence. It's, it's emphasized. Give us our daily bread today. This very day, God, give us the things that we most need, that we most depend upon. And I think to Jesus' listener, this would have been something they would have quickly related to because many of them as laborers in his day would have been people who each day's work, they weren't sure if there would be the next day. Each day they would be called in if there was work and they would work and they'd be paid at the end of each day. And there was really no certainty about tomorrow. All you knew was today I received what I need to provide for my needs and for the needs of my family. So I think they could relate to praying, God, please today meet our needs. But I think it'd be hard for the, many of his listeners also not to have their thoughts turn to the story of the Exodus, a story they would have heard again and again and again. And that story um, in Israel's time in the desert and wandering in the desert as they left Egypt and as they were moving towards this promised land that they had heard of, that, that they had longed to be in. But they're in those desert wanderings and in Exodus chapter 16 we're told the story of how they weren't certain about the next day's food. They weren't certain that their needs would be met and how God provided for them manna from heaven. Moses describes that man as bread, that that bread was provided to them. But God told them that all they were allowed to do was to go out every morning, this bread, these wafers spread around on the ground in the morning, that they could collect enough for them and for their family for just one day. That's all. Just today you could collect Except for on the day before the Sabbath, you could collect two days so that you didn't have to work on the Sabbath. And if you collected any more than that, the next morning when you would get up, they would be the bread would be rotten, it would be full of maggots. Clearly, you could only collect that one day or those two days before the Sabbath. If you tried to do more, if you tried to, to take care of yourself by protecting yourself and providing for yourself by setting a little aside, because you just weren't sure God was going to come through for you tomorrow. If you tried to step outside of that and provide for yourself, you would quickly learn that that just wasn't possible. You had to depend upon God. As I've read that story, I've thought about the fact that I, I think as the people of Israel were moving towards this promised land, this land that was described as a land that was flowing with milk and honey, a place where they would experience abundance like they've not known before, God was preparing them. God was preparing them for what he knew would be a danger in that place. That as abundance came, there would be this temptation to start collecting and to start putting aside and to start buying into the lie that somehow we could take care of ourselves well enough, collect enough, provide for ourselves well enough, that we don't need God anymore. That we could go on and take care of ourselves. And God is teaching them before they come to this place that no, everything you have, every need, everything you enjoy, everything that you look to and hope for, all of it is in the hands of your God and it's under his control. He truly is the king of kings, the ruler of all rulers. He is the creator. Everything belongs to him. 
And as you go on in Matthew 6 in the Lord's Prayer, you see that theme repeated again and again that we have to trust in God. That it's foolish to think that somehow we can find a way to live this life where we don't depend upon him. Uh, chapter 6 of Matthew and verse 19, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Verse 20, no one can serve two masters, God and money. Verse 25, don't worry about food, drink, or clothes. Trust God to provide like he does for the birds and for the lilies. Verse 34, don't worry about tomorrow. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Trust God. Have faith in God. Don't worry beyond today. Focus on right now what you need to be doing today. Let God be the one who will take care of tomorrow. He's shown you in his creation that he's a good God who will take care of those that he's created. But there's always this balance in scripture, isn't there? Because it'd be tempting to say, well, God takes care of me, then I don't need to worry about it, so I don't need to work, I don't need to do the hard things, because God will take care of everything. But you also see in scripture this balance. It's yes, God provides, and there's no way that you can make it apart from him. You are dependent upon him, whether you want to admit it or not. But God does call us to be responsible with the things he's given us. He calls us to be people who work hard, who take those opportunities and those abilities that he's given us, and we, we make use of them. We put them to work to provide for our needs and for the needs of those we love. A few of those places in scripture where you see that are Matthew 15, where Jesus rebukes the Pharisees because they're saying that they're not going to provide for their parents. And the reason is because all of their funds are dedicated to God's service, so they can't take care of their parents. And God rebukes them for that. It's a responsibility to, to take care of their family. First Timothy 5, we see there where it's um, Paul teaching us that you know we are responsible to care for our immediate family and for our extended family when we can. Not to be a burden on the church unnecessarily or upon others that... We are to take those resources we have and to use them wisely and to use them well to care for people that we are responsible for. And he says that you have den it's just if you don't do that, as if it's as if you've denied the faith and that you're worse than an unbeliever. That is our responsibility. Second Timothy three, six through fifteen, Paul says that if a man will not work, he shall not eat. He makes it pretty plain. Works our responsibility. We're to we're to take the resources God has given us. And we're to use them. And sometimes those resources are our abilities, the opportunities before us. Uh, the resources in our world, we're to use them wisely and to use them well to provide for our needs. And then Paul goes on in that passage to talk about the fact how he and his disciples, when they come to Thessalonica, that they, they could have asked for support. They would have been right to do so from the church there. But they want to model for them what is a responsible way to live. So they took care of their own needs so as not to be a burden upon others. And they're teaching them that that's how we all should live. So there's this balance in Scripture. Be responsible with what God's given you. But never buy into this lie that somehow your own work and your own abilities are enough to provide everything you need. That somehow you can think of a way to collect the right things and store up the right things and work hard enough and be driven enough that somehow now God is not necessary in your life or even beyond that, that others aren't necessary. That you can truly be self-sufficient. Never buy into that lie. And when we pray, God, would you give us today our daily bread today? We're acknowledging the fact that, God, we need you even for the most basic of our needs. I've mentioned before, uh, 
in a sermon once uh, this phrase that I think is kind of a very American idiom, uh, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Uh, it's a phrase that, you know, when it was originally used, from what I understand, it was actually meant to be a rebuke to people who thought they can be self-sufficient. You know, what in the world are you doing? You're trying to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. It was, a, it was anything that was used to say, to describe something that was just foolish, that was ridiculous. You can't grab the back of your boots and lift yourself off the ground. You can't do that. That's crazy to think you can do that. So quit trying to live as if you can handle it all by yourself. But as I look through the history of that phrase, it seems in the early 1900s, the use of that started to change. And now today it's almost become a phrase that we use to praise people for self-sufficiency. It's a, it's a phrase that we use to say to people, you've overcome obstacles, you've done it yourself. You know, you've pulled yourself up by your own bootstraps. What a wonderful thing that you've done. As if somehow this belief that we can make it by our own resources alone is wise and is good. I was listening just last week to a TED Talk and it caught my attention because the title of it was Challenging the Bootstrap Myth. Uh, it was by a guy named Antonio Valdez. And in it, he quoted uh, some research from uh, the Pew Research Center. And it was a study that they had done on economic mobility in the United States back in 2009. Here's some statistics he quoted. He said in their research, they found that 40% of the Americans they surveyed believe it is common through hard work for a person to go from being poor to making it rich. That that's a common thing. 71% of the Americans they surveyed said it's the attributes of hard work and drive, not life circumstances, that are why people succeed. And we'd like to believe that. that's a very American belief, right? But that very same study found that it's actually very rare for a person to go from being poor to becoming rich. Matter of fact, it's even uncommon to make modest gains up the economic ladder out of the situation that you were born into. Uh, we like to believe it's true, but the research doesn't back it up. It's just not really true. Very rarely does that actually happen. Uh, scripture very clearly, I think, teaches we are not helpless. God has given us abilities and resources opportunities to use those abilities, and he calls us to put them to use. He does call us to work hard. He does call us to uh, provide for the needs of the people that are under our care. He does provide us to even do beyond caring for our own needs and be able to give to the needs of others. He calls us to work, and if we don't work, to not eat. But God never says to us that you are people who can live somehow only by your own resources that you are people who are, uh, can be self-sufficient and completely independent. God clearly describes us as a dependent people, first and foremost dependent upon our God for every single thing we need, even the most basic of our needs. But he also tells us that we weren't designed to be alone. We are also people who are meant to depend upon one another. We are meant to be a community of people who reach out to one another and, and depend upon one another care for the needs of one another, come through for one another. We're never meant to be people who do it all by ourselves. So Jesus teaches us to pray for bread, owning that it's God who provides the most basic things we need. I don't think Jesus is telling us not to pray for more than just bread, but he tells us to start there. 
to start with the most basic and own the fact that apart from him, we don't even have those things. But he also tells us to pray for today's bread. That even this day, the day that in some ways will feel most within your control, the day that will feel like you really can take charge of things and handle it yourself, even today, God, we need you to provide for us because apart from you, we have no hope. But I think it also keeps our focus on today. Because as he says later in the chapter, you know, it's easy for us to start worrying about the things that feel further away because they feel more and more beyond our control and to really give our attention and our focus to those things. We have to prepare for them and worry about them and collect and set aside for them. And our attention goes more and more to things that are more and more actually beyond our control that we shouldn't be focusing so much on. And this prayer calls us to come back and say, be here now. Focus on today. Focus on the worries of today. Focus on the tasks of today. Focus on the opportunities of today. Give your attention there. Trust God with those things that are tomorrow and the tomorrow after that and the tomorrow after that. Give your attention back to today. You know, even if you're foolish enough to come to the belief that somehow uh, we can manage things in this life. We can store up enough and collect enough and handle enough that we can take care of ourselves in this life. The other thing scripture reminds us of again and again and again is the brevity of this life. In other words, this life is just a small, tiny bit of the whole story of what our life is. Uh, think of some of the images used in scripture. And First Chronicles 29 describes this life as just a shadow, something that could be gone in a moment. Job 7 describes it as a weaver's shuttle, that little piece of wood that runs between the yarn that flies by, or a swooping eagle, down and gone again. Psalm 144, a breath, or the one we are probably most familiar with, James 4, a morning mist. Here for a moment, and when the sun comes up, it's gone. That's this life. Even if you are foolish enough to believe that you can manage everything in this life yourself, you can take care of every threat. You can handle every need that somehow by your own resources you can depend just upon yourself in this life. Even if we're foolish enough to believe that, this life is just a, a page in the book. It is barely even the beginning. How foolish we are to think that we could live independent from God. And as Jesus teaches us to pray that, to trust God for today, and to trust God for tomorrow and every other tomorrow. That's not a scary thing. I don't think Jesus is calling us to pray that to scare us. You know, you can't, you're not in control of anything. You need God to take care of it. Because he has just drawn our attention to who God is. God is sovereign. God is majestic. God is powerful. God is our Father. He calls us his children. God cares for us. God has a plan. He is working that plan that will come to an absolute and clear and good conclusion. We can trust God. We don't have to worry. We don't have to control it all ourselves. We can let go of so much because we have a good God and a powerful God who is watching over us. So we turn to him and we ask. And even in the asking, Jesus is teaching that our Father wants to hear our needs because he wants to give to us those things we need. So let's pray, like the author of Proverbs 30. He said, Two things I ask of you, Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. First thing he asks, 
Keep falsehood and lies far from me. He says, you know, keep, keep the, the lies, keep the falsehoods just out of my life. The ones that come from within me, the ones that come from my world, help me not to hold on to those and live in those. Help me to live in the truth, to live in reality. And then he goes on and says, Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise I may have too much and disown you and say, Who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. There's danger both ways. There's dangers in too much poverty. Because if, if we don't have our basic needs, we are, we are tempted to turn away from God and give all our energy towards our survival and forget him. But there's also dangers in wealth. Because if we have wealth, there's that tendency to believe we have enough and we don't need God anymore. Dangers in both of them. Give us this day our daily bread. Turn to our God. Own the fact that he's our provider. Our good God. Our sovereign God. Our majestic God. Our loving God. Our God who, is, who has a purpose and is working through that purpose towards a good end. Trust our God. Ask him one who is in control, who has all and who cares for us to provide for our very most basic needs. And I don't think that means don't pray for more. But I think we ought to be pulled back by this prayer to say, let's remember to pray for even our most basic needs, even for our bread, even for the roof over our heads, to ask God for those things to provide for us, to remember that even those things are in his good hands and we need him. To provide those things to us. But then, pray for more. Continue to pray. Scripture teaches us to bring all our needs to God. He wants to hear them from us. One last thing I'll say is I also think as we're praying this prayer, it should be a reminder to us that we are serving a God who cares about his children's needs, his children's most basic needs. And as we pray that prayer, I think it should be a reminder to us that, that we are called to join him in that. We are called to be a people who, like our God, care about the most basic needs of the people around us. Uh, we should care about those around us who need bread. We should be want, want to be people who come through for them to try and alleviate their poverty. You know, sometimes people talk as if there's some conflict between getting involved and trying to alleviate the poverty of others and evangelism of sharing the good news of what Jesus Christ has done. But those aren't those aren't at odds with each other. That work because. Those who are in poverty, in some ways, it's an obstacle to hearing the good news about Jesus Christ. It's a distraction, just as wealth can be, poverty can be. And when we try to alleviate poverty, when we join God in that good work of meeting people's needs, we are taking away some of those obstacles so they might turn their attention back towards the God who truly is the one who gives life. So I want to ask you now to join me once again at home, wherever you are, Join me in saying the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Mm -hmm.